Glenn, you're listening to Save Me and I'll Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hey. Hello. Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Bonjourno. <laughs> yep. Bonjour- <laughs> Bonjourno. <laughs> On this week's episode, we are covering Les Miserables, or Les Mis for short, because I don't want to say that the entire show. Yep. <laughs> no offense, but it's, it's long and hard. So there are so very, 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 very many albums for this show, including a film adaption, but we are just going to be focusing on the Broadway cast recording, because it's the one that I am most familiar with, and the one that like the, the cast sounds the most familiar to me. The show is actually performed mostly in recitative style, which means that these are, the vocalists use natural speech as opposed to like musical metrics. So they like talk sing, which uh, helps get the story more emotionally like involved and things like that. So I think it's um one of the few musicals we've done that does that. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. So some background information and strap in guys, this is a long one. Also, this is not going to mama warning. Because, I mean, if if you listen to musicals at all, you should have listened to this one. <laughs> Unless your trigger is sad French people. Yeah, uh, prepare for all the sad boy hours. It's fine. Sad, sad boy RD. <laughs> so Les Mis is a musical adaption of Victor Hugo's 1862 novel of the same name. The music was written by Michel Schoenberg, and he actually released a two-hour demo tape accompanying himself on the piano and playing every role. So, oh, listen, he was really into it. He was really passionate. He was very passionate. <laughs> and the original French lyrics were written by Elaine Boubli and Jean-Marc Nattel. The English lyrics were written by Herbert Kretzmer. It was originally released as a French-language concept album, which this was released in 1980, selling 260,000 copies. Wow. This is just as the concept album. So the first musical stage adaptation of Les Mis was at the Palais des Sports in September 1980. And this is this actually stands for Palace of Sports in French, so that's neat. It only stayed there for three months, but only because their contract was expiring. And out of those three months, they were sold out with 100 performances seen by over 500,000 people. Wow. Jesus. It did very well. But actually, it opened up to pretty negative reviews, surprisingly. Like, people weren't really sure about how it was being presented and the whole works. But it it literally still took off so well and maintained a really good pace and just never died. So, it just goes to show you the first few critics might not always be correct, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, three months of a show every day? Sold completely out. sold out? Like, yeah. you gotta be doing something, right? Right. You'd think. The English language version was expanded to include more backstory, especially for Jean Valjean. And the lyrics aren't actually a direct translation of the French, which I thought was pretty interesting. About one third of the English lyrics are a rough translation. Another third were adapted from the French lyrics. And then the final third consisted of all new material. So it went a lot of different ways. And I I am kind of glad that they expanded it into like their own thing from just the French. For sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. Some stuff would have been lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. 
The first English production began on September 28, 1985 for previews and officially started showing on October 8, 1985 at the Barbican Centre in London. The original cast included Colm Wilkinson, Roger Allen, Patti Lapone, Susan Jane Tanner, Alan Armstrong, Francis Raffel, Rebecca Kane, and Michael Ball. It moved multiple theaters during its run, but celebrated its 10,000th performance. Oh my god. On January 10th, 2010 and its 30th anniversary in October of 2015. It began back at the Sondheim Theater on January 16th of 2020. But, as we all know, COVID happened, and so it closed in March of 2020. And then it was announced in June 2020 that it would not reopen until 2021. We're currently in 2021, haven't seen it yet, so fingers crossed. We're waiting. (laughs) But if it comes back... We gonna see it. We going. <laughs> Les Mis opened as a pre-Broadway tryout at the Kennedy Center's Opera House in Washington, D.C. on December 27th, 1986. And it ran for eight weeks until February 14th, Valentine's Day, uh, 1987. The musical then premiered officially on Broadway on March 12th, 1987 at the Broadway Theater and closed on October 10th, 1990. The million production had a more than $4 million advance sale prior to its New York opening. So it recovered. That's before the opening. Yeah. Oof. Wild. All right. (laughs) Uh, It moved to the Imperial Theater and was set to close on March 15th, 2003, but that was postponed due to a large interest, which obviously. Obviously. A. A handful of changes were made from the London to the Broadway edition, such as songs getting deleted or added and some lines being changed. The original Broadway cast included Colm Wilkinson, David Bryant, Judy Kuhn, Francis Raffel, Jennifer Butt, Leo Burmester, Randy Graff, and Terrence Mann. After 6,680 performances across 16 years, it closed on May 18, 2003. Les Mis was the second longest running Broadway musical after Cats, It was surpassed by the Phantom of the Opera in 2006, and in 2019, it remains the sixth longest-running Broadway show. Yeah, so it's it's still up there in the numbers. A lot of shows have beaten it out since, unfortunately. After only three years after its original close, Les Mis began its return to Broadway on November 9th, 2006 at the Broadhurst Theater for a limited run that was then made open-ended because, obviously, I mean... (laughs) The revival closed on January 6, 2008, after 17 previews and 463 performances. There was a 2013 Toronto revival that began on October 9th and ran until February 2, 2014. The show returned to Broadway on March 23, 2014 and closed on September 4, 2016, after 1,026 performances over two and a half years. This revival was nominated for three Tony Awards. There were also lots of tours. Lots and lots of tours. The U.S. National Tour had three touring companies going on around the same time. The first opened at Boston's Schubert Theater on December 12, 1987, and played major cities until late 1991. The second opened at Los Angeles' Schubert Theater on June 1, 1988, and ran for 14 months, transferred theaters, and ran for a similar run. The third tour became one of the longest-running American touring musical productions. It opened on November 28, 1988 at the Tampa Bay Performing Arts Center in Florida and closed on July 23, 2006 at the Fox Theater in St. Louis, Missouri. Woo-hoo! 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 Hey, I know that place. Hey. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> 
It ran for 17 years and 7,061 performances, which is crazy for a tour. Absurd. It played in 145 cities and 43 states. The touring company also frequently performed in Canada, made a 1994 diversion to Singapore, and another in 2002 to be the first Western musical production to visit China, which is a huge deal. That sounds... Just doesn't sound right. It doesn't, but yeah, 2002 was the first time hmm. a Western production got over there. Oh. Super neat. This one, also with all three you know, touring companies being going on roughly around the same time, they would often like trade crew members and cast and stuff. <laughs> hey, we need to borrow Ted. Basically. <laughs> we'll trade That's you with cool. Steve for a Ted. <laughs> uh, Steve? Dang it, Steve. Uh. <laughs> there was a UK and Ireland tour that ran through 1992 and 1993. A second tour began in 1997 and ran through to 2000. The 25th anniversary tour ran from December 12th, 2009 to October 2nd, 2010. This tour moved to the U.S. in the fall of 2010 and ran until August 11th, 2013. In 2011, it was reported that the tour is one of six U.S. National Broadway tours that are grossing over $1 million per week. Good lord. Per week. <laughs> Goodness. All the money. Yeah. All the money. All the monies. A new UK and Ireland tour ran from November 24th, 2018 to November to November 21st, 2020. An Australian tour ran from mid-2013 to March 2016. On September 16th, 2015, this tour launched its international tour and ended November 2016. There's also been a bunch of concert productions, which are basically just the actors like singing with an orchestra and not performing the entire musical. So the 10th anniversary on October 8th, 1995, they had what was called the Dream Cast because Sir Cameron McIntosh hand-selected them. Ooh, That's pretty cool. Super cool. And then they did the 25th anniversary on October 3rd of 2010. Then another concert ran from October 10th to December 2nd, 2019, titled All Stars Staged. This final concert was filmed and broadcast live to cinemas on December 2nd and has since been released on video. It then returned for a limited six-week run at the Sondheim Theater from December 5th, 2020 to January 17th, 2021. That's pretty cool. All right. It was actually extended twice to play until February 28th, 2021, but due to COVID, you know, was suspended on December 16th, 2020. So, you know, but it is scheduled to reopen on March 2nd, 2021 and run until early April. These were the main concerts, but of course, they've also played all across the world. And then as far as international productions, the show has been produced in 42 countries and translated into 21 languages. So English, French, German, Spanish, six different versions of Spanish, mind you, Japanese, Hebrew, Hungarian, Icelandic, Norwegian, Polish, Swedish, Dutch, Danish, Finnish, Brazilian, Portuguese, Estonian, Czech, Mauritian Creole, Basque, Catalan, and Korean. Woo! That's That's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of languages. Uh Uh-huh. This world astounds me sometimes. That's a lot of words. (laughs) And then Les Mis also has a school edition, which cuts a significant amount from the original show, which is fair without losing any of the critical scenes or songs, and it does run about 30 minutes less and changes some of the keys to better suit young voices. Aww. Which is still is amazing that they were able to to do that for a, you know, high school production. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I would never imagine this one 
working for them, but they made it work, so cool. I feel like, yeah, that wouldn't translate well for be, a high school production. It might be kind of painful, but yeah. I'd be willing to see it if someone did it. It's a big production, though. It'd have to be, like, a fancy school. Les Mis also has a film adaptation, which is super good, and I love it a lot. It's actually been in development, technically, several times since the 1980s, but nothing ever really stuck. It was a lot of like, yeah, we're gonna start doing this, but then nothing ever actually came of it. But finally, in 2012, the film came out and featured a cast of Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe, Anne Hathaway, Amanda Seyfried, Eddie Redmayne, Samantha Barks, Aaron Tveit, Sacha Baron Cohen, and Helena Bonham Carter. This cast also featured Colm Wilkinson, if you remember, if you remember from our background information, he was the original Jean Valjean, and he actually was the Bishop of Denis. So I thought that was really cool, and and now that I know that it's him listening to the video, the like the film soundtracks. Yep, it definitely sounds like him, so that's cool. Okay, so of course, with a show as big as this, it's won a lot of awards. The original West End production in 1985 won a Laurence Olivier Award out of the four that they were nominated for. And then in 2012 and 2014, they won Laurence Olivier Awards for Audience Award for Most Popular Show. Then the original Broadway production in 1987 won eight Tony Awards out of the 12 they were nominated for. And won five Drama Desk Awards out of the seven they were nominated for. They're sweeping. In... 2013, the Toronto Revival won two Dora Awards. The 2014 Australian Revival won one Green Room Award in 2014 and five Helpman Awards in 2015. So now with all that background out of the way, we are ready to hop into our Act 1. We open to France in 1815 on a group of prisoners doing hard labor in the song Prologue Work Song. We are introduced to Jean Valjean, prisoner 24601, who, after 19 years in prison, five for stealing bread for his starving sister's child and the rest for trying to escape, is being released on parole. The prison guard, Javert, informs him that by law he must display a yellow ticket of leave, which identifies him as an ex-convict in the song On Parole. As a convict, Valjean is shunned wherever he goes, not receiving fair wages or decent lodging or just being, you know, mistreated because people are jerks. And then the, the Bishop of Denis offers him food and shelter. Valjean is desperate and steals the bishop's silver in the night, but is caught and brought back by police. The bishop doesn't turn him in, instead insisting the silver was a gift and adding two candlesticks to the items that were quote-unquote stolen. He tells Valjean to use the silver to become an honest man, as he has bought his soul for God. This takes place in the song Valjean Arrest, Valjean Forgiven. Valjean Taketh. Taketh. (laughs) Valjean Giveth Away. Valjean is humbled by the kindness, and he vows to redeem his sins in the song Valjean Soliloquy slash What Have I Done. He tears up his yellow ticket, breaking his parole, but giving himself a chance to start a new life away from his criminal past. We jumped eight years later in 1823, where Valjean has assumed a new identity as Monsieur Madeleine, a wealthy factory owner and mayor of Montre-sur-Mer. In this factory, we meet Fantine, who is a single mother trying to support her daughter, Cassette. The child is being raised by an innkeeper and his wife, and Fantine sends them money to care for her. Uh, the factory foreman lusts after Fantine, and she rejects his advances. Nah, bruh. Good. No touchy. <laughs> That'll be creepy somewhere else. And of course, he is a butt and takes it out on the other co-workers, and so they resent her for it. One co-worker steals a letter about Cassette, and a fight breaks out. Everyone teams up on Fantine, and she gets fired in the song At the End of the Day. 
Fantine reflects on her broken dreams and Cassette's father who abandoned them in the song I Dreamed a Dream, which is probably a pretty popular one. Desperate for money, Fantine ends up selling her locket and then her hair and then like her teeth and stuff in some adaptations and like in the movie yeah yeah and finally becomes a prostitute in the song lovely ladies and it gives me feels every time fun fact uh this the song lovely ladies is extraordinarily catchy and Mm -hmm. as a child i would uh you know sing it oh no i was like don't do that (laughs) no 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 (laughs) and she had to explain to me it's like oh that's just don't (laughs) that's about (laughs) Yes, anyway. She ends up fighting back against an abusive customer. Police are called and Javert, now a police inspector stationed in the town, comes to arrest her. Valjean is passing by and pities Fontaine. He finds out that she worked at his factory and she then blames him for her misfortune. Although he, like, didn't really know about it, so it wasn't really his fault or whatever. Yeah. And then he is so guilt-stricken that he convinces Javert to release her and takes her to a hospital in Fantine's arrest. Soon afterwards, Valjean rescues a man who is pinned by a runaway cart in the song The Runaway Cart. Javert becomes suspicious of this as he's only seen Valjean display this kind of strength uh, and has been chasing him for years despite not recognizing him initially. And so a different man who looks like Valjean is arrested and is about to go to trial for breaking parole. Of course, Valjean struggles with this because if this man goes to jail, he's free from his past, but this man is innocent and he won't be able to live with himself if he, you know, ruins another man's life. Right. And so he goes to the court and reveals his identity in the song, Who Am I? The Trial. Fantine is sick and delirious and dreams of her daughter, Cosette. Valjean comes to check on her and vows to find the child and protect her like his own. Fantine becomes relieved by this and succumbs to her illness and dies in the song, Come to Me, Fantine's Death. Which, I mean, it sucks that she left a child behind, but, like, at least she's at peace. Yeah. So I can't be mad about it. <laughs> she doesn't know that the person that just swore that is uh, on his way to jail. Listen, <laughs> no one needs <laughs> to know. <laughs> Javert arrives to arrest Valjean, but Valjean asks for time to go find Cassette. Javert refuses, as there's no way a criminal can be reformed. Valjean overpowers him and escapes in the song The Confrontation. In Montfermeil, the shady innkeepers, the Thenardiers, use Cosette as a servant and treat her cruelly while they extorted money from Fantine under the guise of Cosette being regularly ill. Nuts. They use the extra money to also dote on their own daughter, Eponine, who is around the same age as Cosette. Cosette dreams of a life where she doesn't have to work all the time and is loved, which depresso. Right. And this takes place in the song Castle on a Cloud. Which I kind of have a, a, a slight hate for this song because mom used to do Broadway camps every summer, and this was always on the list for children. And my God, <laughs> I've heard this song so many times, so many terrible times. Because <laughs> it's usually sung by the youngest amount, that the youngest kids. Oh boy, <laughs> high squeaky children's. Mm-hmm. The Tenardiers cheat and scam their customers in the song "Master of the House." So they're pretty terrible people, and they keep, like, tacking on stuff to the bills and and just being terrible business owners and whatever. Valjean meets Cosette as she's on a task to fetch water and offers the Thenardier's payment to adopt her in the song The Bargain. They claim to love her like their own and that she's sickly, so Valjean ups the price, paying them 1,500 francs in the end. 
Valjean and Cosette leave for Paris in the song The Waltz of Treachery. We skip to nine years later in 1832, where Paris is on the verge of a revolution from the poor and desperate. Among them are Marius Pontmercy and Anjolras, who wonder about the fate of their people. Also around are the Thenardiers, who lost their inn and now run a street gang. Because of their course. daughter Eponine has grown up and has fallen in love with Marius, who doesn't seem to notice. Typical boy. Dumb boy. Dumb boy. We also meet the street urchin Gavroche, who knows everything that happens in the slums. And this all takes place in the song Look Down. The Thenardiers are running a scam and focus on Valjean and Cosette. Cosette has now grown into a beautiful young woman. And her and Marius run into each other and, of course, fall in love at first sight. Aww. Because wow. they're main characters and they're attractive. Yep. Yep. That's basically all there is to it. That's how it works. Yeah. Thenardier suddenly recognizes Valjean, but before they can finish robbing him, Jovert, now an inspector stationed in Paris, comes to break it up in the song The Robbery. So, yeah, Jovert is just, like, everywhere, apparently. Mm-hmm. Valjean and Cosette escape, but Thenardier tips off Jovert and he makes a vow to the stars, which represent his belief in a just and ordered universe where suffering is a punishment for sin. Whatever, he's a bit extreme. And he vows that he will find and recapture Valjean in the song Stars. Meanwhile, Marius persuades Eponine to help him find Cosette in the song Eponine's Errand. Which, (laughs) hey, hey, person that totally likes me, can you go find this other girl who's like... Love my life. Do you want a wingman for me? <laughs> She's like, okay. <laughs> and she does. And she does. She does. Yep. <sighs> Poor <It's> girl. <laughs> At a small cafe, Anjolras talks with the other idealists about preparing for the upcoming revolution. Marius interrupts the serious atmosphere by fantasizing about his newfound love. <gasps> the others tease him about it while also talking about the upcoming future in the song of the ABC Cafe slash Red and Black. Which is also a pretty good one, I gotta say. He's like, wait, homies, I met this cute girl. <laughs> they're like, what up? <laughs> they're like, but dude, revolution. And he's like, but girl. And they're like, but revolution, though. <laughs> but have you seen her hair? <laughs> Great. Gavroche brings the news of General Lomarque's death. And he's the only one who fought for the rights of the people. And so this sucks. The students realize that they can use the public's dismay to incite their revolution, and the time has come to go to action in the song Do You Hear the People Sing, which is so good. Yeah, one of the most recognizable songs, for sure. For sure. At Valjean's house, Cosette thinks about her chance meeting with Marius, and of course starts to like him too, as one does. As she confronts Valjean about his secrets and why they have to keep moving and hiding in the song Rue Plummet slash In My Life. Eponine leads Marius to Cosette's garden. Cosette and Marius meet again and speak of their love, while Eponine, heartbroken, watches them through the garden gate and laments that Marius has fallen in love with another girl. In the song, A Heart Full of Love. (gasps) Hashtag cry. stuck in my head. I don't know why, but it does, because it's it's between all three of them singing at the same time. It's really cool. Yeah. Thenardier and his gang arrive, intending to rob Valjean's house. Eponine screams to sound a warning scaring them off and alerting Valjean, who thinks the intruder is actually Javert, in the song The Attack on Rue Plummet. <laughs> the high-pitched scream, must be Javert! <laughs> it's Javert. When you have an enemy, <laughs> it's always the enemy. <laughs> always. Valjean decides it's time for him and Cosette to move again and starts to plan for them to leave France altogether. Which I'm surprised took him that long. <laughs> yep. On the eve of the 1832 Paris Uprising, all of our characters face their own trials. 
Valjean prepares to go into exile. Cosette and Marius part in despair, while Marius conflicted about whether or not to, to follow her or join the uprising. Enjolras encourages all of Paris to join the revolution. Other students prepare for battle. Eponine acknowledges that Marius will never love her. Javert reveals that he is going to become a spy and hide in the revolution. The Tenardiers scheme to profit off the upcoming violence. Marius decides to stand with his friends. Everyone anticipates what will happen when the dawn comes in the song One Day More, which is a super cool song because all these characters they all are sing like, it, like over they're all each singing other. the same, yeah, like the same kind of instances and they all get like a line or two, but they all sing at the same time. And But they're all like, tomorrow is going to be a wild ass day. That's basically what it comes down to. Super powerful. Gonna be lit. Gonna be lit. But with that super awesome, super cool song, it, it ends act one. Where, where we're also waiting for what's going to happen on the next day because we have to wait for intermission. <gasps> boop, boop, ba, ba, ba. <laughs> So, what do we think about Act 1? Sad. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> you promised sad boy hours? We got sad boy hours. Got the sad boy hours. It's like there's a happy love story mixed in with just terrible stuff happening everywhere. Yes. And it's not even that happy of a love story because, like, someone else likes him, and so that's sad. And then she has to maybe move, so that's sad. So, like, they don't even get to be happy. It's a sad sandwich. Should I follow the girl I love, or should I go die? That's a toughie. The whole time I was waiting for Eponine to, like, do, like, the cross, where it's like she agrees to help, but then, like, doesn't Doesn't. and makes Mm -hmm. it worse. He never does. But no, nope. she is just the, the truest wingman where it's yeah. like, well, I'm not going to stop him, but... She yeah. loves him so much that she wants him to be happy. Yeah. Yeah, they're mm. truly like best friends. Yeah. So, yeah, she she's a good character. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Yeah. By, you know, for being raised by terrible people. Right, like she turned out okay, you know? Yeah. yeah that is From surprising. The, <laughs> the biggest schemers in the show... I was expecting the, you know, the backstab, but it just never came. So yeah. pleasantly yeah. surprised on that. Yeah. And I think also she, she recognizes Cosette at the time and is like, oh, this is the little girl I sort of grew up with. I yeah. kind of feel bad for like what my parents did to her. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of that too. So she's also atoning for her sins or whatever. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a lot of redemption arcs in this one. So I like her. Yeah. She's a good character. Okay, Kylie, what are your thoughts on the show? I like it. It's sad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's kind of like a sad sandwich. I've never seen it before. Sad sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen this one once, not including the movie. I've yeah, I've only seen the movie. Once. I saw it at the Muni, and wow. unfortunately, no offense, Muni, I love you to death, but it was not a good show. Yeah. Yeah, it was not put together the greatest, and they like cut a lot of co- lot of corners because again, this is a big production it requires a huge cast a ton of costumes and all those things and they they cut the corners in the weirdest spots but it was noticeable mm. yeah so yeah so i wasn't like super impressed but i would love to see it oh no i lied i saw it twice i lied to you how okay. dare you i also went on a road trip with my mom her sister and my aunt's kids to go see les mis i believe it was like alabama we went to alabama on a trip and spent uh, like a week there, but we went specifically saw Les Mis. We listened to the the soundtrack on the way there while my aunt was telling us the story, which maybe that's why I really enjoyed doing like this kind of stuff because I really enjoyed that format. Mm-hmm. So. 
So yeah, so we do have some theater facts, Kylie. I gave you a lot. My apologies. The famous logo of the young waif in front of the French flag was taken from the original novel by Victor Hugo. The full illustration was drawn by Emile Bayard, the author's favorite illustrator. The full image is of cassettes sweeping at Thénardier's floor. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so that's the, the classic image that has been used uh, since. <laughs> in the original British run, leads were required to join the chorus members when not playing their primary role. Patti Lapone, already a Tony winner at the time, was playing Fontaine and hated this policy. She excused her way out of it for a while, but eventually had to join it. To be difficult, she insisted on dressing like a man throughout Act 2. Today, most professional Fontaines follow her lead and also wear male clothing after intermission. Yeah, so she was kind of being a diva, but whatever. Now all the Fontaines do it, so whatever. You thought I was gonna be embarrassing? Well, now everybody does it. <laughs> Joke's on you. In 1832, Paris suffered a widespread outbreak of cholera, which killed 18,402 people in the city and 100,000 across France. Since it was mostly poor communities that suffered, it was rumored that the government was poisoning wells. This was one of the inciting events for the Paris Uprising. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. So this, this, uh, this book was originally based on uh, true events, you know, in a very broad sense. It was like, oh, there was an uprising, and that's about the only similarities. Mm -hmm. But that's the the history of why the it's kind of started. So that's kind of neat. So some notes before we hop into our act two. We have hit two thousand downloads, you guys! Yeah, yeah. Woo -hoo. Woo. That is super exciting, and we are super grateful. We were not expecting to get there this soon, and we are just amazed and we really appreciate you guys every month gets more and more and we're just like mind blown so thank you so much we are just super thrilled we do want to remind you that we do have a merch store which is up and running which you can buy a sad boy hours t-shirt which we will be saying a lot through this show cannot wait to wear that yeah i'm dying i love the sad boy shirt and you can find it at www.ragtagnetwork.com slash merch so we got a lot of cool stuff on there also, we are getting really into Instagram lately. Amber's been working really hard to bring you funny materials and little informational things about us. And you can find something about us on there basically every day. And our handle is at Save Me an Isle Seat. So go check us out there and watch us do stupid things. Yep. It's great. And also, we are expanding and trying to get us more out to more people. And on our search, I found Podnods, which is a new site for discovering podcasts personalized to listeners' tastes. A neat thing they do is it lets you keep your favorite podcast player so their site can focus on like the discovery process. So that's really cool. So they find you neat shows to listen to. So I thought that was super cool. And all of our shows are on there, of course. Mm -hmm. So we just wanted to give them a little shout out because that seems really cool. So that wraps up our little intermission. So how about we go ahead and revolutionize Act 2? Can you some work? Yeah, Act 2. Revolting. <laughs> I fired you so many times. <laughs> so at the, the beginning of the act, we see that the students have begun to build the barricade using various pieces of furniture and whatever they can find. You know, obviously it's a barricade, whatever. Small children, it's fine. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. fine. During this, Javert, disguised as a rebel, volunteers to spy on the government's troops. Which, remember, he's trying to be a double agent or whatever, it's fine. 
Marius discovers that Eponine has disguised herself as a boy to join the rebels. He wants to keep his best friend out of danger, so he sends her on an errand to deliver a farewell letter to Cosette in the song Building the Barricade Upon These Stones. Valjean intercepts the letter and learns about Cosette and Marius's love. Eponine wanders the streets alone, imagining that Marius is with her and laments about her unrecorded love in the song On My Own, which is probably one of my favorite songs and one one of the ones that I'll I'll sing all the time. Oh yeah. It's so good. Yes. It's so good and, and so sad. So many feels. All the feels. The French army arrives at the barricade, demanding the boys surrender in the song at the barricade. Javert tells them that the army won't attack that night on the song Javert's arrival, but Gavroche recognizes and exposes his true identity, so he is detained by the people in the song Little People. So his spying is awful. Got him. Got him. <laughs> The plan of the uprising is to get all of Paris on their side with their act of defiance and take down the army. Eponine returns to the barricade, but is shot while she crosses it. Oops. Swing woman down. (laughs) She don't. Marius holds her and she assures him that she feels no pain and reveals that she has been in love with him all this time and that that's all she feels right now and it's very sad and very touching. And then she dies in his arms. In the most painful song ever, A Little Fall of Rain. Which also gets stuck in my head all the time. So sad boy hours all the time. <laughs> Boys are really dense sometimes. It only <laughs> takes a girl dying. <laughs> and she's like, I was in love with you. And he's kind of like, what? <laughs> you, you know what? <laughs> yeah, and so. he, even, he even says that one of the lines in the song is, uh, you would live if, if I could close your wounds with words of love. So he like, he's like, I, I do love you. Maybe not like that, but I do love you because you're my best friend and stuff. And she's like, no, I'm just glad to finally be open with you and be held by you and receive, you know, affection and stuff like that. And then she dies. No, no, I I die now. (laughs) No, no. Just want to let you know, (laughs) I love you. Goodbye. Peace out. (laughs) Everyone mourns their first loss, but vow to fight for her. Angelras attempts to comfort Marius, who is devastated about the loss of his best friend. Obviously. Well, Jean arrives at the barricade, disguising himself as an army man to cross enemy lines in the song Night of Anguish. He has come hoping to protect Marius for Cassette's sake. The rebels are suspicious of him at first, but then he saves Andros' life by shooting at a sniper and scaring him off. They accept him into their ranks, and in return, Valjean asks that he be the one to execute Javert, which he is granted. I'm a random guy. Can I kill this other random guy? Sure, dude. Go for it, my dude. <laughs> we don't care. Right. Once Valjean and Javert are alone, Valjean frees him. Javert warns that this alone is not going to get him to give up his hunt, rejecting what he perceives as a bargain for freedom. Valjean assures him that there are no conditions on his release, and he holds no grudges towards Javert for doing his duty in the song The First Attack. The rebels settle in for the night and reminisce about the past while also worrying about the battle to come. Angelras tells them to stay alert in case of a night attack, but urges Marius to get some sleep since he's still so devastated. They fret about dying for their cause, and Marius wonders if Gazette will remember him should he die in the song Drink With Me. As Marius sleeps, Valjean prays over him, asking God for his protection of the boy, even if it costs Valjean his life. In the song Bring Him Home. A sad fact about the song Bring Him Home, it was sung at Jim Henson's funeral. Oh. Hmm. Well, now you've made us sadder. Amplified. When the dawn comes, it is revealed that the rest of Paris has not risen up to join in the revolution. They decide to fight on anyway, despite the impossible odds, in the song Dawn of Anguish. 
Perfect song title. What a name of a song, damn. <laughs> I gotta say, all the songs in this musical are, like, very aptly named. Like, oh, yes. spot on. Gavroche sneaks out to collect ammunition from the fallen bodies of soldiers, and then the army kills him. <gasps> Gavroche, no! Oh! He just a small baby! He's a small boy! He's only, like, ten years old. Yeah. Freaking sucks, dude. This, of course, enrages the rebels further, as it should, yeah. in the song The Second Attack, Death of Gavroche. It's, like, so heartbreaking in the movie. Too. Oh, it is. Like... Ugh, the acting, though. He, he's a very likable kid. Mm -hmm. The army gives a final warning, but the rebels fight to the last man. Everyone at the barricade is killed except for Valjean and a gravely wounded Marius, who escape into the sewers in the song The Final Battle. Javert returns to the barricade, searching for Valjean's body among the dead, and notices the open sewer grating. Hmm. Bum, Mysterious. Bum, bum. Valjean carries Marius through the sewers, but ends up collapsing with exhaustion. While he is unconscious, Thenardier, who has been looting bodies, cause ew, finds them and takes a ring off the unconscious Marius. He flees when Valjean rouses, recognizing him once again, in the song Dog Eats Dog. Valjean gets Marius out of the sewers, but finds Javert waiting for him at the exit. Valjean begs for one hour to get Marius to a doctor, and Javert reluctantly agrees. Javert struggles with himself, unable to understand Valjean's mercy towards him, as he still sees Valjean as an irredeemable criminal. He is unable to accept this and refuses to compromise his moral code and commits suicide by throwing himself into the Seine River in the song Javert's Suicide. This man's is so stuck on his ways. Mm -hmm. He's like, nope, can't accept something else. Bye. Yeah. Well, he like, he kind of comes to terms like, I'm never going to agree with this and this needs to end. Yeah, it has to end with one of us getting punished. Like, that's just how it is. And yeah, so it's a it's a mess. Also, yeah, I get on the songs being, hmm, I wonder what this song's about. Yeah. <laughs> Javert's suicide. Hmm. <laughs> After the failed revolution, women mourn the deaths of the young men in the song Turning. Marius, wounded but alive, mourns the death of his friends and their sacrifice for nothing, wondering why he did not die with them in the song Empty Chairs at Empty Tables, which biggest sad boy hours song of all time. He's going through a emo face. Oh, I mean, he's kind of earned it. Yes. <laughs> he wonders about who saved his life as Cosette comforts him, and they reaffirm their love for each other. Valjean comes to realize that Cosette will no longer need him as a caretaker once she is married, and gives them his blessing in the song Every Day. Valjean confesses to Marius that he is an escaped convict and must go away to protect Cosette in the song Valjean's Confession. Because keep in mind, he has no idea that Javert threw himself into the river. He makes Marius promise to never tell Cosette. Marius and Cosette are married in the song Wedding Chorale. Yay! The Thenardiers crash the reception, disguised as nobility, in an attempt to blackmail Marius by telling him that Valjean is a murderer and Thenardier saw him carrying a corpse when the barricades fell. Gasp! He shows him the ring he stole as proof and Marius recognizes it, realizing that Valjean is the one who saved his life. The newlyweds then leave to find Valjean. And in some productions, Marius pauses to punch Thenardier in the face... Which is yes. obviously what should happen. Or yeah. the couple is thrown out of the reception, which is not as good, but I'll take it. Yeah. How do these rats make it through this whole story and everybody else dies? I, I mean, they sing about it. Mm -hmm. I know. They're like, we're terrible people and there's always going to be a place for us. Yep. Mm -hmm. boo. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> also, in the, in the movie, he's played by the guy that plays Borat. Yep. And it's really weird if you've seen only Borat before it. Because yep. you're like, wait. He can like... Sing and dance and like. Well, yeah, because he was in Sweeney Todd first. Mm, yeah, and Sweeney Todd. So it's like, 
Captain it's just, America? When- it's from my side of things where I saw him in that first before all the others. It's like, hey, huh? what? <laughs> this is the dude that usually just goes, my oh, wife. <laughs> and wears inappropriate clothing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely very weird in this role. The Tenardiers are not discouraged by this, of course, and gloat that their ways have saved them time and time again in the song Beggars at the Feast. And unfortunately, they're 100% correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gosh darn it. At a convent, Valjean awaits death, having nothing left to live for. The spirit of Fantine visits him and tells him he has been forgiven for his sins and will soon go home to God. Cosette and Marius arrive to find Valjean close to death. Valjean thanks God for letting him see Cosette one more time, and Marius thanks him for saving his life. Valjean gives Cosette a letter that confesses everything about his troubled past and the truth about her mother. He then passes away with the spirits of Fantine and Eponine there to guide him to heaven in the song Valjean's Death, again aptly named. Mm -hmm. Valjean, Fantine, and Eponine are joined by the spirits of those who died at the barricades who sing about the next world. They sing that God gets rid of all tyranny and frees all oppressed people from their shackles in the song Do You Hear the People Sing? Reprise slash finale. And that is the show. Woo! Woo! Yeah, so our main character finally got to rest because the reason he was, you know, living and and fighting, you know, has a secure future and he can finally let go mm-hmm. and go, and go and sleep forever. Mm-hmm. And the big sleeps. <laughs> the big sleeps. The big sleep. Which he has been working a lot throughout the entire show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he yeah. deserves a good mm-hmm. rest. Yeah. Yes, he he really does. So he definitely earned it and... Again, this, this story is like a, a lot about like redemption and you know finding one's morals and what what are you fighting for? And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good show. What does everyone else think about it? Oh, yeah, I, think- I gotta say one of the things that I really liked, at least I've only seen the movie. So in the movie, um, I'm pretty sure there's a few scenes throughout the movie where we see him with those candlesticks, the ones that he got from the the bishop, um, and so like I think that's a very like literal fuck words are hard um the literal fuck <laughs> okay uh, yes um no that's a very like simple prop to show that like he's feels guilty about the beginning of his life and then he really is working towards that redemption like he stole all that silver to you know get money and stuff but he kept those candlesticks yeah I find it interesting that he's he sold the rest of the things to become an honest man, but still held on to the candlesticks as a reminder to himself. They represented that kindness that he had been showed, and then he proceeded yeah. to show that kindness to a lot of other people. Yes, so that's super cool. Yeah. I, I think he's, like, a little hard on himself. Yes. Like, the things that he did to be a criminal weren't... Like, obviously, at that time, it's a crime, and he served as punishment. But, like, in the grand retrospect of things, it's not really an the evil worst. act. Yeah. yeah. And he served his time. Yeah. And and he, he goes through all this trouble because he made a promise. Yeah. So he's, like, a man that sticks to his word. Yeah. But he also didn't really have a hand in the mother's death. So it was, like, I don't know. I feel like he beats himself up, like, way hard. But... Oh, yeah. He takes, it, he takes it very personally when any slight happens, but... It just proves that he, he is a good person mm-hmm. by heart and that he is always going to try and make things better for other people and things like that. Yeah. So he's a, he's a neat character for sure, but yeah, definitely. Masochist. 
bit. Yeah. In a way. And yet, I still don't totally understand Javert's character. Because, like... Javert is... Yeah. I don't know. Like, he's very rigid in, like, his life. Right? Like, his goals, his morals, to the point where he kills himself because of them. And yet, multiple times, he is confronted by Valjean and lets him go. I don't know. It just seems weird to me that, like, he works so hard, but they also, like, let each other go at times. It's just weird to me. Well, Javert never let Valjean go. In, like, their first interaction, he didn't recognize him, and so, you know, he got away that way. And then when he went to go pick him up after he revealed himself at court, they... Uh, Valjean beat him in a fight and escaped. And then when they met each other in Paris during the robbery, Javert didn't recognize who he was. And then finally, when he actually like does come face to face with them, Valjean is the one in control and lets him go. And then Javert realizes, oh shoot, Valjean's actually a good guy. I'm gonna let him take care of this kid and then I'll go get him. But also now I can't live with the fact that I've been hunting an actually good man all my years. I've wasted so much of my life and my devotion to this guy who actually might not be a bad guy. It's like he can't come to terms with the fact that his morals, his moral code that he's lived with his entire life is wrong. Yeah. It can't come to the reality that he might be the wrong one. Everything he's built his life around is just not as stable as he once thought. So that, I think it's that, like, that's what drives him over the edge. Yeah. He's, so, just... he's so deep into black and white. There is no in-between. Yeah, yeah, he is yeah. a criminal, so therefore he yes. is bad. I am on the law enforcement, therefore I am good. There is no gray. And then when he Valjean comes along and gray. he's technically is supposed to be gray. Javert just can't process it. Said, it's like so foreign to him. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just... cannot understand... It's just weird to me. And he, like, he just chooses this one man to obsess over. Like, that's a little weird. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely because they had a run-in when he, like, first released him and and Valjean, like, talked back. I think it was like, oh, mm-hmm. this shithead. And then he disappeared less than a year later, you know? He was like, ah, I gotta get, I gotta get this dude. This dude keeps grudges, race. for sure. Because, like, there's so many other criminals out there. He could have focused on literally any other criminal, like... No, I, don't I mean must, he must hyper focus on breath th- Right. I think it it does in the film like whenever they do the time skip, Javert's like I've like arrested so many people. I've done I'm like a really I'm really good at my job, but I've got this one guy that's gotten away. So he wasn't like 100% on on the, the case, case all the time. But yeah. he's on the lookout. But it was something that haunted him. Yeah, it haunted him because of the guy that got it was, away. And... It was a stain on his record and he yeah. couldn't handle that. Yeah, so anytime he did come across him, he was like, oh, gotta get him. Must be perfect. He needs to calm down. Must finish. Yeah, well, now he dead, so oops. Oopsie. Yep. Again, he need he need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, what do you think about the show as a whole? I liked it. I, okay. I feel like it's another one of those that I need to see to be able to really process it. Yeah. It's definitely a, a very, very good spectacle, like seeing it mm-hmm. live. But you do get a lot of the story from the music, which I appreciate because there's so, like, basically every every piece of the story is a music yeah. piece, yeah. you know. Yeah, listening to us, like, go through it, it's like there's a song, like, every other sentence. It seemed like yeah. once we actually got into the show. And, yeah, you just, you get most of the story. And it goes towards what you were saying at the beginning, where they're kind of talk singing. 
Yes. So you get more of the story instead of just like lyrics that sometimes are vague or like metaphors when they're just talking to each other. It's just like, oh, yeah, I, I know what's going on. They're having a conversation and he doesn't want to go to jail, but he wants to arrest him. It's like, oh, there it is. Yep, I got it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot like Phantom of the Opera in the, in the regard that, like, there's not actually a lot of spoken lines, just straight up spoken lines, because they, it's mostly singing, which, which very is, is close to operatic, Yeah, but not quite. But not, mm-hmm. doesn't breach that. So yeah, we'll definitely have to sit down and watch this one all together. And if the 2021 show comes around, we're definitely going to have to try and see that. But, you know, it's in Broadway, so that's long, far away. Yep. But... But if it comes if it comes across us, we will definitely go see it because it's such a good show. It's again, you know, one one of my favorites, probably one of most theater nerds' favorites, just because it's a classic. It falls into that category of a classic show for sure. But yeah, right. thumbs up. Yeah, I like it. Good show. Sad. Sad, Sad boy. But good. Sad but good. And hard to pronounce. And I don't know, it's French. just so long. But like my main complaint about this one, like it's a classic and it's great and it makes me have feels. But there's just, like, so many characters going on at once, so many storylines, and it's just really long. I don't know. It just tires me out sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, we've, we we've, focus. I feel like we've covered stranger storylines. Oh, it's not God, that it's yeah, strange. It just, like, it just, it's just long. goes on and on, I yeah. feel like. It just, yeah. it almost tires me out to get through this one. I don't know. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. Like, going through the soundtrack, it's... it's yeah. A, it was a two-disker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. I do not feel you're alone in that thought, Amber. <laughs> nope. So that's going to that's gonna be all for this episode. I think it was a good show, and I will, again, listen to it anytime. So thanks again for getting us over 2,000 downloads. I am super excited. It's so silly, apparently. We've reached that in an insane amount of time from our 1,000 mark, and yes. I am just pumped to see what the rest of this year looks like. I, yeah, I'm super excited to see how those numbers grow and how we go up, and that is... You know, we're really we're really excited and to see how that how that happened. Hey, listeners, be sure to like and subscribe to us wherever you are listening to podcasts. This is gonna make sure you get all of our notifications, you get episodes as soon as you can, and yeah, you just don't wanna miss out on all this good stuff. Heck yeah. You know, catching up on merch drops, getting some sad boy hours. Woo! Do it. And if you happen to mosey on over to Apple, please leave us a five-star review. They always help us. Yay, mosey on over. Of course, the best way to help us is via word of mouth always. So please continue telling your friends and your family and your coworkers like we tell ours constantly. Constantly. So they can hear us and we can get a wider audience. Because obviously you guys are doing great work and it's working because we're getting more, more listens every month. So keep doing what you're doing, and we really, really appreciate it. And of course, if you want to reach out to us, because we're pretty cool, you can find us pretty much anywhere on the internet. So you can email us. You can email us at savemeanisleseat at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at savemeanisleseat. You can find us on Twitter at saveanisleseat. You can find us on Instagram at savemeanisleseat. You can find us on YouTube as the Ragtag Network. Just all kinds of things. So... Check us out and chat with us because we're cool and you're cool. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, we're uh, really expanding into the social social media. So, catch us on all of those. We really appreciate the interaction and the fun times that we are having. For more information about our show and 
the other shows on our network like Bag of Bones and Total Tomfoolery and our newest podcast, uh, Isolation Theater, which will be coming out any day now. You can always look at our website, which is the best place to find this information, at www.ragtagnetwork.com. And that's where you'll also find links to like our merch and our future events and things like that. So just keep an eye on that as well. But I think that is all we have for you guys this week. Again, thank you so much for the 2,000 downloads. We look forward to hitting 3,000. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Save Me an Isle Seat. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. You don't know you don't know goodbye in French? No. Au revoir? Au revoir. Sure. <laughs>